Hello and welcome to the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and this is uh, episode 42 of the podcast. Uh, I've just returned from, uh, from vacation in Canada. Uh, it was a great uh, couple of weeks back home. Uh, my daughter just graduated from high school, played a little bit of golf, and uh, also played some squash. I even managed to uh, get out with a hit with uh, episode 35 guest uh, Matt Bishop, uh, who was uh, preparing for the World uh, Masters, which just uh, finished up. I think he came in uh, fifth spot overall, which is a great result for him. So congrats, uh, uh, Matt, on that. And uh, from what I saw of the event, which was uh, streamed uh, on YouTube live, which was fantastic, um, it was a great success. Uh, plenty of old legends uh, ending up uh, winning uh, many of the age groups, including uh, Brett Martin, Sarah Fitzgerald, Nick Taylor, and uh, LJ Anjuma, just to name a few, uh, winning their age groups. And uh, what I found really inspiring was uh, watching the uh, the 80-plus men uh, play. Uh, uh, it was incredible. I mean, they were they were there were some great rallies and uh, some great fighting there, uh, uh, some great battles on the court. Uh, so the whole event I thought was really well done, and it was great to uh, to be able to follow it online on on YouTube, uh, which was fantastic. The venue looked great too. Now uh, today on the podcast we have uh, world number fourteen and uh, current U.S. Uh, number two Olivia Klein, formerly Olivia Blatchford, is is our guest on the podcast, and we had a really really great chat. Uh, uh, we talked about what it's like, uh, obviously, uh, to have uh, your husband, who is also a tour uh, pro, uh, on the tour uh, in her corner, and vice versa. Uh, there, uh, obviously, there's the uh, the other uh, famous couple uh, on tour, Nor Altaib and Ali Farag. Uh, so we talk a little bit about that and that dynamic, uh, the fa- her father's influence on her game over the years, which is quite interesting, um, and her illustrious junior career with, and the trials and tribulations that go with it, and particularly uh, the high expectations and how uh, that affected her early on uh, as she was turning. Uh, about to turn professional, and uh, now that she's uh, now in the main draws of the the PSA uh, Super Series events, uh, taking that next step to uh, getting into the world's top ten, she's had some great results uh, uh, last year and some very close calls against some of the best players in the world. So we talk about what she needs to uh, to do to uh, go beyond uh, that and get into the top. Uh, top 10 uh, winning those matches more regularly as well so a really great chat with uh, olivia klein on today's podcast episode 42 then welcome to uh episode i think it's 42 now of uh in squash uh, the podcast and today we're very delighted to have with us a former british open junior champion and the winner of several uh, psa events on the women's tour uh, the first one being in 2010 the src open uh, she reached uh, number 12 in the world in December of last year and currently sits at 14 in the world and recently married uh, tour pro Alan Klein, a newlywed. Olivia <laughs> Klein is our, great, is our great guest today. Olivia, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, and congrats on your, uh, your recent uh, nuptials. I guess uh, you've known Alan for uh, a few years now playing squash uh, 
uh, on the in some events, uh, the same events and things like that? Yeah, yeah. We met um, back in, I guess it was 2012 at the Tournament of Champions. Okay. It's actually kind of a funny a kind of a funny story. My um, my dad is a, a very keen squash fan, and uh, I actually grew up in New York City, so we had tickets to go and see the TOC for, I mean, since it was at the Winter Garden down in Battery Park City. So mm-hmm. I've been to a, a lot of tournament of champions. Anyway, we had tickets, and um, we kind of had this policy. We would kind of go through the schedule of who was playing on the day and uh, who we'd want to watch and, like, kind of when we could fit in a little bit of a break because we'd be there all day and uh we're going through all these matches like okay that's a must watch that's a must watch that's a must watch and uh oh alan klein's playing adrian grant at 130 or something along those lines and oh we'll get lunch then that's gonna be crap so we'll go we'll go and get lunch (laughs) we'll go and get lunch we'll get lunch during his match and we'll come back and um little little did i know that i would be end up talking to this guy later and then fast forward six years and we would be married so awesome. did, did, <laughs> you yeah. watch, did you watch the match i didn't no it was no. lunchtime it was lunchtime course, to refuel yeah. you know like other people were <laughs> more important people were playing exactly but my dad still hasn't lived that down so uh alan even mentioned it in his speech at the wedding i was so. gonna say yeah, i'm sure he, he 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 brought that up uh, uh that would have been funny <laughs> yep yeah. oh he did he definitely did and uh, I guess you, did you have time to uh, do a honeymoon? Did you go anywhere for? Uh, we did. We were yeah. in Cancun for eight days, which was oh, so Cancun, nice. Oh, Cancun, awesome. Mm. Um, actually, uh, Mel White from Mel Squat, uh, from Squash Travel, helped us find a, an amazing resort down there. And it was fantastic. Uh, we did actually manage to sneak in a few gym sessions and a few crazy uh, beach beach fit, fitness sessions but uh, awesome, the most yeah. part just nice and relaxing and yeah it was great got some sun yeah so. just uh yeah i guess uh you know the the season uh doesn't it's not too far off from starting so i guess no. you probably didn't want to uh get into too much uh heavy uh food and drink uh, while you were there no no we tried to keep as responsible as possible we only had we had one one blowout and even that was, I mean, a blowout, for, it's a blowout for us is very different than a blowout for most people. We're like, we had champagne at breakfast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you, st- you stayed away from the local tequila scene then. We did. We did. We were smart. That's we were good. very smart. <laughs> well, now uh, you'll probably get this question uh, a fair few times now that, now that it's out there that, that you're married and uh, you're the, you're the second, I think, currently a pro tour couple that that exist on the tour the other of course being ali and uh, nor um yeah what uh what uh, if there is a what what's so special about that dynamic that maybe perhaps over the last couple of years since you've known alan uh how's that helped you in terms of your development because you've really uh done well the past few years i well i think it's a it's kind of an interesting thing you know alan's a little bit older than i am and um I think that there's, when I, when I, when we first met, we were in like in extremely different parts of our career. So I actually at the time wasn't even playing at all um, right. on tour. I kind of taken, taken a break. And, um, and I think from that respect, I, I definitely, it, it inspired me to get back on tour. Uh, Alan playing and doing well definitely inspired me to go back to, to, to wanting to play. But I think I definitely think that now that we're kind of in the thralls of 
in the thralls of it. It's very much like a team oriented kind of thing. You know, we work together, but we also similar, you know, have this, this ability to know when the other person needs to focus on themselves. And I think that if you're in a couple where it's one person who is playing and one person is not playing, I think that though I'm sure that those, they have their own ways and formulas of dealing with relationships. I do believe that you have almost a built-in understanding of, okay, I know what it's like because I know when I need to put myself first and my game first and focusing on my performance. And I think you don't have that type of, what's the right word, that resentment. There's a balance of how you're Mm. able to move the focus and switch the focus and switch the importance onto another person in the relationship. Yeah. Um, I also just like having, personally, I just like having someone there with me and a a support system. And Alan's very much an independent, um, independent guy, you know, can kind of, uh, do what he needs to do for him. But I, I quite enjoy having, uh, someone there and knowing that someone's with me. So for me, it's, it's beneficial. I think for him, I just probably am annoying because I get all crazy on match day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the, as you know, the PSA super series final, they were just, it was just held uh, a few months back here in Dubai. And uh, I got to see uh, firsthand how uh, Nora and Ali kind of help each other in between games. And it's definitely a partnership. I mean, there's no, I mean, Ali is always there and uh, in between games giving advice. He's mm-hmm. very, very passionate as is uh, Nora for Ali. And I'm, I'm guessing, uh, I mean, there's no, it's equal on both sides uh, very clearly. Uh, and I'm guessing it, it's might, might be similar with you and you and Alan uh, in that way. I definitely, I think that you, I think that at the end of the day, you, you care so much about this person and you want to see them thrive. And at the same time, you have this, because you do care about them so much and you are, you know, well, you've got them now into a bind that, you know, pretty hard to break, right? You you really got their arm bent behind their backs with the old marriage situation, but putting, um, you're able to really be honest with someone and to actually, I think that that's one of the hardest things to have is sometimes when you're, when there's a fragility to what you're, what the way that you deal with things or what you can hear, you know, I, I would say that one of the, the best things that we have is that we're able to be completely honest with each other, whether it is about something that's going on in one of our games or if something that's going on in one of our minds, that if you do have that working relationship and that, that team element to it, where it's like everyone just, we just want everyone to do well and to do better in our little, our little pod. Yeah. We need to deal with the, with the truth. And I think that, that's something that I really, really, really value in, in our relationship, both on the squash court and off the squash court is that ability to, to give actually the whole, the whole bit of information. And I I do feel like that as a relationship, there's only so many people in the world, you know, that you have that trust with to be completely vulnerable to say, Hey, actually like, this is what's going on in my mind. What, what do you think? And them to have the ability to be completely honest and not be afraid that, Oh my gosh, they're not going to talk to ever again. And that's going to go down the toilet now. Yeah. 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 It's quite interesting. I think, you know, you see, of course it's, it's nice to also have friends or or people, other players on tour giving you advice, but I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, like you said, when, when you need, you know, maybe you need to be told something, uh, kind of, uh, severe, and exactly. At that time, uh, maybe, maybe your, best, your your friend on tour wouldn't 
uh, have the guts or maybe wouldn't feel like they would want to say that to you. Oh, completely. Because you, you don't want to jeopardize that relationship. But at the end of the day, you know, when there's a, when there really is this, okay, what is our ultimate goal here? And if both of our ultimate goals is to see each other perform the best that we can and have each other perform and, and all those types of things and see the best coming out of ourselves, that's what you're going to get out of. And I think that that's, it's, something that you find between the best coaches and their students in the world, for sure. And I do think that it exists when you have, you know, relationships in your sport where you can deal with that on that level, you know, deal with those types of questions and comments and ideas and not feel so uh, what's defensive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause you can let your guard down with this person. You're, you you're okay to feel it to feel vulnerable with them. And I think immediately, even with a friend on tour, your first, your first thing is first of all, too, is they're probably competitors. So why am I going to let my, my guard down completely with them? Because at the end of the day, I'm going to have to play them probably. And two, your, your first, your first line is to put up that wall and then you can't take any information in any way. And then their points are, and then their points are, are useless. So I do think that that's a, a massive bonus to the relationship for sure yeah, i guess you would only i mean obviously not everyone's going to be married uh, uh to another pro- tour pro so i guess <laughs> the only the only way uh, I, i'm guessing that this type of dynamic would exist would also be with a, a coach that you've been with for quite a while or or even another player that you've uh, established in a, a relationship since uh, you were quite yeah. young absolutely yeah I totally agree yeah. Well, let's, uh, if you don't mind, just look back a, a little bit. You alluded to uh, the fact that your your parents, your father in particular, are both uh, squash players. And it was, I think, your dad who introduced you uh, to squash and, and brought you to tournaments uh, to watch him play. Uh, how did that uh, sort of, how did it come about that you got into started uh, to start your junior squash for career through your, your father? Yes. So my dad was um, had no squash experience up until about the age of 27 when he moved to New York and he picked it up and he fell in love. Um, he started with the game of hardball, which is how he met my mom. Okay. And then they transitioned over to softball. Um, my mom, who actually grew up playing some squash because my grandfather uh, played hardball squash down in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, who's actually my grandfather who passed away almost a year and a half ago Sorry. was actually national champion hardball no it's it's okay what was um, his name uh your grandfather uh, bruce El- bruce elfenbein okay yeah i've had and, uh, rob dinnerman on on the podcast yes i'm sure he uh, he would be able to write a book about him oh most definitely yeah but uh so she did play some squash and um and so they met playing squash and my uh he was just hooked. I mean, my dad could not get enough of it. He would go and like train in the mornings before work. Like he was a nut. (laughs) And so (laughs) when I, when I was about five years old and I was, I was being dragged to these tournaments every weekend. Um, and I was, I, I like to do ballet and gymnastics. I was pretty, I was like solid in the, in the gymnastics kind of sporting arena. And um, he'd be like, oh, come, like, you'll enjoy it. And I'm like, dad, I'm not enjoying this. Like, you just, I hang around your smelly friends, you know, and you just like on court and then you're sweaty and then you're like, what do you think? And I don't know. 
And, um, but one day, one last day, it was in, it was March and it was a snowstorm and we were going up to 86th street, uh, the New York sports club in 86th street in Manhattan. And, um, he's like, come on, live like one last time. Just come on up. If you really don't like it, I'll never ask you again. And I'm like, Oh, but I've got this new Mary Kate Nashley movie. I want to watch like mom just bought it for me. Come on. He's like, come on, please. Like for your best bud. I'm like, sure. All right, I'll go. And I went up there and I, I watched the whole thing. Like I, I just was mesmerized. It was like, for some reason that day it clicked. And afterwards I was like, dad, when do I get to try? And he's like, right now, if you want. And he said that apparently I tried to like raise my racket up as as high as I could, but I was like, I mean, I'm not the tallest person now and I was not the tallest person then. And I tried so hard to, to copy what I had seen and I raised as high as I could. And then I just kind of like, couldn't, couldn't hold the racket up anymore. So I ended up hitting like this perfect little trickle boast. And my dad was like, (laughs) Hmm, interesting. Here we go. And that's how it all started. And I think in the beginning it started off as like, Oh, she might, you know, enjoy this and, and be all right. And then kind of by the time I was about, well, it would fulfill, it would give your dad the opportunity to play more squash. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, and I think he was like, "Ooh, well, I know, she's I know that I'm a dad." Turning the lights off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can't be turning the lights off while I have my matches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this, uh, I get. I mean, you had a, a very, uh, you know, you had an outstanding junior career, and one of the, um, one of the things that that you ultimately ended up doing was becoming a British Open champion. I think you might have been the first ever from America to do so. Oh, second. The second. Who was the first? Michelle. Michelle Kubel. Michelle Kubel won the under seventeen. All right. Okay. Yeah. That that was uh, maybe five years before you, or or ten. I think actually, yeah, maybe, yeah, between those two numbers for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so you were the second, and what did uh, what did that mean to you at the time? Because uh, I guess that would have been like if. I'm just guessing you would have thought, okay, well, I think um, I can pursue this even further. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I think I it, this uh, level. Yeah, I think it was an interesting thing that happened because my my dad had take like had started taking me over to Sheffield to play in the British Juniors when I was about ten. Okay. So and actually, I played when I was ten, and I lost to Noral Taib. I got absolutely chopped. She was also ten. Okay. And she actually made the se- she made the semifinals of the under 13s. Like she was totally kicked butt. Like even from then. And I think I'd been going over for a long time, and it definitely you know squash was becoming more and more a part of. I would say, so much of my daily what I was doing, and it definitely I would say, probably was the start of maybe a little bit of an unhealthy relationship where it became very much, a valid you know how I derived self-validation was from winning and from doing all these, you know, from accomplishing things, which, you know, but the, the British junior that the 2007, that event was, it was really special mostly because I kind of had given myself over actually to a completely different process, which is not trying to, to win that event. The year before I had lost a tie in the semifinals, you know, in five games in the under 13s. And I was like, you know, I, it was like the world had ended. Yeah. The world had ended. Like yeah. I had lost and I was yeah. so devastated. And here I was, you know, like 12 years old. And my dad was like, Liv, like, 
what are you, what's wrong? Like, come on, you just had a great match. And I'm like, but I worked so hard this year. And he's like, but that's not the point. The point was that you worked so hard and you should enjoy this. And the next year I had made a decision that I was like, you know what? I really want to make the world junior team, the under 19s team that was going to go to Hong Kong, August of 22, uh, of 2007. And I'd kind of given myself over to that process and said, okay, these are all the things I have to do to compete with those like women who are, you know, going to be adults. And I mean, I don't know if you know the, the, the entry list of the 2007 Hong Kong world juniors, but it starts with Renima, Willili, Camille Serm, Annie Yao, Joel, Joel King, Sarah yeah. Jane Perry, Victoria Les. I mean, anyone who like, who's in the top 20 now was there. It's insane. But yeah. I had given myself over to that process and trying to learn to, to compete at a higher level. And actually, like the British Junior Open was like a, it was just a, a, something that was like a product of not being that focused on it. Okay. Yeah. So you, um, you weren't too worried about that. You were, you were focused on something else. greater than that. Yeah. 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 And, than that. yeah. and more of a building process as opposed to such a result process. You know, mm. I had wanted so badly so you, to you go all, to Hong You learned a lesson from that then, didn't you? I did. But unfortunately, like all good lessons, I put it in the back of the, the cupboard and didn't bring it out until maybe like, you know, 10 years later when I was like, oof, like I, I have to make some changes here. My mindset's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely from that point, I was like, I, could pro I think I can do this. I think if I want to do it, and I'd always wanted to play squash. I'd been around, like I told you, the tournament champions for as long as I can remember. It was always something that I wanted to do. And I think after that, I think I always wanted to do it, and I probably would have always done it, regardless of having that, results happen but mm -hmm. I definitely think that more people would have said oh that's like okay it's kind of legit you know it's a little bit more legitimate this choice that she wants to make like I can remember uh, <laughs> yeah I can remember back it was around that time that your name started to appear uh, it was spent, like maybe on squash talk the website when that <laughs> that was around and um was there did you feel like there was any maybe pressure on you to perform at a higher level at a, at that sort of when you were 15 16 17 it seemed like um that you were anointed maybe the the girl who could uh, put it put squash on the map for women in, in north america you know, I, I think a lot less like that. I felt, I did feel a lot, especially I would say through mo the rest of my junior career from that point going forward, yeah. Um, yeah. I did feel a lot of pressure. Unfortunately, what kind of happens is that when you become so focused and for a long time, I was so focused on just winning and just that I, I, I couldn't even really enjoy performing because right. If, if I wasn't winning, it, I was failing. And I think, unfortunately, you know, it does happen like that when, when a person's very young. You know, you have to understand, like, juniors, is, it's very different, you mm -hmm. know? I wish someone had told me that, like, that jun like no, juniors is nothing. Like, imagine when you have to, like, put money, you know, like, put food on the table when you're a professional and you're trying to make money to, like, keep your rent going. That's, yeah. like, something to kind of have a little anxiety real about. Yeah, like that's okay. Like, has some anxiety about that, sure. Yeah. But to have anxiety about whether or not I was good or bad, and what it ended up unraveling into was like whether I was 
a good person or a bad person or whether, you know, I was worthy or this. And I think that it, it was, it became, it, unfortunately, it became a, a very poisonous relationship very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that kind of lasted actually all the way through the rest of my junior career, which is kind of ironic because I still kind of maintained, you know, I would get to every British Junior Open semifinal and like, I, I still maintain, like, if you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, that's really not the end of the world, you know, like, yeah, right. but how it felt to me. And I think that it was probably not even until I would say maybe a year and a half, two years ago, where I actually felt like I could finally shake that demon of, of feeling that way that I had to prove myself, right? All these people were making predictions. And when you make predictions about a young person, you just don't allow for any growing up, right? Like, and what changes when a young person goes through those life transitions and, and, and discovers more about themselves and discovers different elements of, of the game of squash and different things that the relationship requires between them and that. And I think for me, I, I, it wasn't until even a couple of years ago where I was able to say like, you know what, like, it's not really about that. Like I do this because I love it. And I don't think I could have said that when I was younger. I think that if you'd asked me about when I was 17, why I did it, I would probably say like, well, I'm, I'm pretty good at it, you know, and that's it. <laughs> and that's kind of sad, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of, you hear a lot about the, this thing that, uh, process over performance, uh, these yeah. days and how people have, who, who follow the, the, that, that way seem to find success. And that, that seems to be, uh, what you've managed to do over the last few years, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm definitely, well, working on that. I think it's been, it's been a long process just to get to the part where the pro where it's about the the process. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, and I did, I, when I had originally like stopped playing, I went on the tour after, you know, the first year out of high school. And after that, I was like, you know what, I'm, I don't want to do this. I'm not gonna do this anymore. And I uh, got a job working at Chelsea Piers in Stanford, Connecticut uh, for Natalie Granger, who had been a teammate, a coach of a national team, like every, every sort of relationship in squash that we could have, we've had. And, um, I was like, Nat, I don't want to do this anymore. And I started coaching and, you know, I would miss, I would miss competing. My students would come, sorry, my students would come back from their tournaments and they'd be like, Oh, I had like this match. It was so close. You know, I lost 12 10 in the fifth or, oh man, like I, I just snuck it, you know, like 14, 12. And I was like, man, that's what it's about. Like, this is what it's the whole thing. And could I reconcile that my love for it was greater than the sum of all those anxieties that I kind of created in my head. Yeah. And no, I, exactly. think, I think, yeah. yeah and, and what, 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 and how much did I love squash and was it enough to try and to do the work to try and shed that baggage? You know, and I, I think I realized that that process for me was, was about shedding that stuff, that shedding the expectations and not really, you know, I have, a, I have a lovely, lovely, lovely supportive group of fantastic people that I can go to and, you know, and when I need to circle the wagons, I know I'm going to get good advice from people who really care about me. Absolutely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that those were the people that mattered, you know, that my relationship with squash was what mattered, not what was perceived by other people. Or did I have to prove to people that I, I wasn't failing at whatever it was that, 
people said I was going to do. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, for sure. And uh, you've met, I mean, you've got a great support network and that obviously it's helped you. I was just going to getting into the next question. I mean, you've managed to now you're getting directly into the main draws of a super series events, uh, at least la the last year or so. Uh, you reached the final of a PSA 70 event in 2017 where you played at Nicole David. Uh, that, that seemed to be sort of a, a highlight uh, or, or a benchmark for you at, at that time. That must have been a, sort of maybe a holy crap moment for you. Definitely. Uh, you know, obviously that, that tournament had had like a lot of – down in Columbia was kind of a crazy, crazy – swing of events and obviously you know my teammate Amanda Sobe getting injured was terrible I mean I it was just the worst the worst thing ever but kind of up until I actually I played her in in the semifinals when she got injured mm -hmm. um even prior like I think you know I went into that event like just being like hmm I'm just gonna roll the dice like I just recently started working with Natalie Granger yeah, Natalie, in a more in a more formal way, where I kind of had gone to her and said, "Look, like I want to do this the right way. I want to learn. I need to learn. Like I'm not learning, and it's not fun if you're not learning. If you're just trying to jam square pegs into round holes, like you are not going to enjoy this." Yeah, and um, we had made some changes, and I kind of had I had had a result. Um, I had played in uh, Windy City, you know, a kind of two weeks before we went to Columbia, and I had had a a solid win over Josh Nichinath the first round. And then I played Amanda actually, and I had given her like a run for money, which is like the first time in a really long time that I could actually say that. Yeah. yeah. So I'd gone to Columbia with this attitude, like, Hmm, like, I don't mind. Like I'm playing Annie out first round. She's 10 in the world. Like she yeah. just came off a big tournament win in Texas, you know, like what, what can I expect? But I just knew that I was like, I'm going to just work my butt off and enjoy this and see like how, how stuck in I could get. And I think that I ended up getting very stuck in, stuck in for like 80 minutes. And when I came yeah. out of that match on the other side, it was like, oh, okay. okay and I yeah. kind of felt the same way going through. And I, and I think that that kind of kept, I would say that that tournament, it was really nice to be able to like get to a final and to have that energy. And, you know, Columbia was amazing. We got treated so well. We were on top of a mountain. And like playing in a, on a glass court on top of a mountain, like under well, Santissimo. And you're like, this is what it's about. Like, this is the experience. And I did feel like, wow, I'm so in this moment. Like I'm so in the present here that regardless of having, of getting to a final or getting to a semifinal, or even if I had lost first round, I felt present in what I was doing. And that, it, that to me was the most important thing because that was what I've been looking for. You know, for so long, I've been kind of feeling, you know, looking to the future. Oh, that was, you know, I need to win this or focusing on a result or focusing on a previous point or a previous match or, and for the first time in a long time, I would say that that tournament kind of said to me, like, look, if you want to do this and you want to enjoy this, you better be present and look at, look at what's going to happen. Then you're going to really enjoy this. Yeah. So I definitely felt like that in that respect, like, yeah, I guess on paper, the event was massive for me in a points wise and a results wise, of course. But for me, it was more of an emotional thing where I felt that there was a transition into a, ah, oh, okay. Like now you're kind of getting it. Now then you're, then, then now you're, you're, you're playing Nicole David in the final too. You must <laughs> have been like, okay, here we are. 
<laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, so this is what a little change in mindset can do for you. <laughs> and it was this crazy experience. You know, we got rained on uh, middle of the third game. And we had to stop playing because it was oh, yeah. the court was leaking. It was torrential downpour. All of the stands were like underneath the court. It was insane. You wow. know, it was insane. So, but it was amazing because you're like, how many times does this happen? No, you know, exactly. in your lifetime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you've had some, you've had uh, recently, I mean, you're in, like I mentioned, you're into the uh, Super Series events without having to qualify for the last, in, within the last year anyways. And uh, you've had some, some pretty close results against girls in the top 10, five, two five game losses to Allison Waters and a heartbreaker, which I watched live with the one <laughs> against uh, SJ when you were up to love. And I, I think you, uh, you, something mentally, I think you lost it a little bit there because you, you certainly were dominating that match. I thought, oh, for and sure. then obvious, obviously uh, you're not far off. So um, what um, uh, from that level, from that super series, even coming to Dubai uh, next year, I, I think it's well within the realm of uh, possibility. <laughs> so what is it that you think yeah. you need to get done over the next few months uh, to, to get wins in those situations? I think it's, I think it, it's having the confidence to continue what you're doing in those situations. You know, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day, actually, because I often, he's still kind of my consigliere and I talk to him a lot about what I'm thinking and things. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things, you know, you get to a point and even in those matches where I, I really do feel like I've played well, I've executed a game plan, you know, what's, what I was doing was working. I think I still get to a point where I feel the need that I have to like pull a magic trick out of my yeah. hat. I, I feel right? like, like that all the time. <laughs> you're right like, you're like post, Philadelphia post <laughs> <laughs> that's cheeky the that's cheeky like reverse smart. angle yeah. Yeah, no yeah. but it's true and you feel like I gotta pull something out here that's really ultra special it's like you forget that all you have to do is like keep on carrying on and you know getting lost in, do in doing you know and he was like you know what's when, when you go out and you're practicing all you're thinking about is how to do what you're trying to do. If your coach gives you something that you're trying to do, all you're trying to think about is how am I going to do that? You're not thinking about, am I trying to win this? Am I trying to beat this person? All these things. And to get lost in that, in that process. And which is the funniest thing is that I do get lost into it up until I'm get kind of close to the finish line. And then I have this thing where I just kind of, and I'm sure a lot of people have this, that they kind of like look up and they're like, Ooh, there's the finish line. And as soon as you look up and you see the finish line, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, I, I have to speed up or, oh, I, I have to like dive over or I have to, to get something going as opposed to just finish through, yeah. you know, like follow through. So I think that hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that summer training will put me in a position that I don't feel the need, uh, the need to kind of fast forward that period of time you know like that was the one thing I remember thinking when I was playing Sarah Jane and T uh, in Grand Central was that like I try I think in my mind I tried to speed that up yeah that yeah. 10 to 11 up and yeah. why why would I need to speed that up like I love to play swash you know what what's why do I need that to go so quickly why don't I make it as long as possible and stretch it out if I could enjoy that that process so much then why why did I feel a need that 
at that point to, to, to hurry it, you know? So my goal is that, is, is that I'll get to hopefully get to those situations, similar situations. And that at that time I'll actually slow myself down, not yeah. speed. No, exactly. no, speak, speaking of Sarah Jane and, and other girls on the tour, I, I talk about this quite a bit with other people who've been on the podcast. I'm really, really uh, impressed with the, the ladies uh, game at the moment. There are just so many, including yourself and Sarah Jane Noor, all the, all the Egyptian girls, the, the English girls, uh, Laura Macero and people like that. You guys are playing at a level that I think and there's, uh, that, that we haven't seen in the ladies game before. So it's, it's exciting. Uh, uh, to look, we're looking forward to the next few years, definitely. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's really, really exciting to see like the tops, the top squash that's being played by the women. It's fantastic. But even as you go further down like if you go and watch the qualifying i mean now there's no qualifying but prior if you go and watch qualifying matches if you're looking at that you know that last round of qualifying it is hardcore there's matches that are so so well played and 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 the intensity is so high the the quality is high it's i think it's one of those things where there's just seemed to be a, a kind of a filtering of the strength of the women's game throughout every level and i think you know, most definitely it probably has to do with the influx of young Egyptians mm-hmm. uh, that kind of are everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's kind of rampant. But I also believe, though, that it's this dedication to athleticism that there's the amount of women who have become like such incredible athletes that in their own right ha- are able to do so much physically are giving them the ability to really showcase their squash talents. And there is so much squash talent within the top. 50 in the world it really is it's incredible there's people who have different strengths but because everyone's kind of this higher standard of athlete they're able to to really showcase what they're good at and it's really fun to watch like I I mean I obviously I'd prefer to be playing (laughs) but when I get to what when I get to watch the girls you know and especially in the later rounds I mean it's it it's so beautiful to watch and it's Oh, it's fast and it's furious. They're moving and they're they're reading it so well, and it just is a testament. I mean, I just think that that's only going to get better and stronger, and people just are going to become better able to adapt. And then someone's going to push on to another tier, and then it's going to be pushed up again. You know? No, it look, um, to me, it looks like even even on the men's side as well, it looks like the world is beginning to catch up to the uh, the Egyptian dominance. Uh, for even sure. On the men's side, I mean, the women especially, though. I mean, you've got. Uh, Laura, Sarah Jane, yourself, Amanda, Camille, obviously, um, yeah. so many others. Joelle's I, I, I think anyone, well. yeah, Noel, Joel, yeah. Uh, any one of you guys could win an event. So uh, it's not just the, the girls from me. I don't know about me yet. Kind of... I'm working on it, though. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. I'm working on it. I don't know about yet, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Well, uh, you're almost there. Like I said, uh, I mean, it, the, the proof is in the pudding. You're uh, some good results, although you came up on the losing end uh, last year. So uh, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. Now, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned it earlier, uh, the, the Columbia event, uh, and I'm assuming that this is the same event. You, um, I read recently that uh, at that event, uh, you required a police escort to get to your <laughs> quarterfinal match. Can you, what, I did. What's the backstory on that one? <laughs> so, Okay, so like I said, we're, 
Colombia, we're, we're playing on top of the, So the first round matches were not there, actually. They were at the hotel, which was beautiful. Um, but once we made, once you made to the quarterfinals, the matches were played on the top of a mountain. And actually, the only way to get there, there were two ways, but you used the cable car. The bus would drop you off at a cable car, which was literally, talk about anxiety. I hate cable cars more than anything because it's just <laughs> no control, right? Yeah. No control. Like, you drop, you're done. Anyway, so you'd either have to take this cable car or you would even more scary an experience was being driven up the side of the mountain where there was no railings. Yes, where there's no railings. And you're like, I think actually like this could be so bad. It could be really, really bad. And um, anyway, so quarterfinals, it had been raining um, before. And I had decided I was going to take um a bus up and my bus got stuck in the mud like kind of <laughs> pulling into the bottom of the mountain and i was like guys like i'm going to miss my match i think this could be kind of bad but i was actually pretty chill about it i was kind of like you know what this could be bad so they were like okay like why don't you just wait with the bus and i'm like i'm playing and not so long i got to get up there so i yeah. started to walk um which was a terrible idea because that was never going to happen. But so I started to walk and this police officer on a motorcycle stops and he's like, miss, like what's going on? I said, I'm like, I'm playing, I'm playing. I got to get up there. Like, do I just keep going this way? He's like, jump on the back of my motorcycle. And I was like, (laughs) okay. So (laughs) So I brought my my cable car up there. No, I know. And I get on and actually he was like, right, I'm going to drop you off at the cable car. But so he, he just, he he scooted me police scooted me to um to the to the entrance of the cable car which was also very scary actually was being on this the back of this guy's motorcycle but the lights are flashing there's like mud like like squirting up from everywhere because it's so slippery and i'm like oh my goodness i think the back tire is gonna go and but i i got there in the end (laughs) i did get there in the end that's awesome yeah Yeah, columbia was one of those tournaments where like nothing nothing went to plan but in right. such a good in such a good way, nice. you know. Yeah, that just added to the uh, the, memor- the the mem- memorable part of that event for you. Oh, definitely. It was like, oh, and how'd you get to your quarterfinal match? I was on the back of a police motorcycle. You know. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, uh, uh, what's on your plate now uh, for the? I guess just prior to the start of the season, I see the, the you bet perhaps the Pan Am Squash Championships in the Caymans and the China. There's the China Open and the World Teams, Women's yeah, Team so Start I, China. Are you going to be involved in any of those? Yeah. So I've had, unfortunately, I had to pull out of the Cayman Islands Pan American Fed Cup because I wanted to play China. And it just, unfortunately, the it wasn't going to allow me to kind of get over to the China PSA event right. in time to acclimate and everything. So unfortunately, I will not be in Cayman Islands, which... I mean, it's a regret. It's Cayman Islands. Come Absolutely, on. That's, yeah. you know, everyone wants to be there. Um, but I will be going to play in Shanghai at the start of September. And then we'll be going on from there to meet my teammates in Dalian for the World Team Championships, which is super exciting. So that's the first uh, event of the season for you, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that cha- the PSA and then uh, straight into World Teams. Right. Okay. Well, that, that, that sounds like uh, too bad you're going to miss out on the Caymans, but uh, I know. getting to, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
you know, getting to the China Open, uh, getting ready for the World Women's yeah. Team. So that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's going to be great that the our team this year is so strong and it's going to be really super exciting. We're, I think it's all kind of, we're, we're all decidedly hunting everyone down, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is fun. And uh, Who, I feel, so is I think it you, you, Amanda, and Reham and Sabrina. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's going to be, I mean, it's a great team. It's, it's a very young team. I mean, I'm the oldie, you know, at Ooh, 25, Amanda and I are okay, old at 25. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's just super exciting. I think it's, we're, we're really excited. And I think that there's nothing like when you have a fire in your belly and you're like, all right, let's see what we can do here. You know, Absolutely. there's no pressure on us. We're like, Amanda, Amanda's on, let's, uh, play, let's go. She's playing well too. And she's happy oh, to be so back, well. uh, back after her injury. So, uh, Actually, I think I saw her in Dubai. Um, yeah, I think she was around. There. I didn't. Uh, I think she, she was there, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, I think, I think she I was. Saw. I think she was visiting. Yeah. I think she was co- coming through Dubai and watched, got to watch some squash. Yeah, yeah, she's playing fantastic. She's made a, her comeback has been stellar. I mean, it's been really incredible. And then, you know, Reham said he is playing great squash. I mean, last uh, last World Team, she came. Uh, and beat Delia Arnold, who at the time was 17 right. in the world, and also gave Sarah Jane a run for her money. I mean, she's playing great squash too. And Sabrina, you can never, never count her out of any match. She's playing, she's a fantastic squash player, beautiful mover. So we kind right. of have this team that's just like rip roaring and ready to go. And there I think go. what more can you ask for, right? Then we have my Canadian sisters who are uh, looking to make inroads as well. They're all playing yeah. pretty good squash too. So. Oh, great squash. Yeah. yeah. And they're always, for some reason, we always draw Canada. Like really? there's okay. never, <laughs> we always are in Canada's. Um, and again, Canada's. this time, have you, is the, uh, the. No, nothing's the come out, but ready. like I wouldn't put it past the WSF because it, we always play them. Like, as far back as I can remember, Is that more of a marketing thing. Do you think on the team? I guess, like um, you know, battle of the border. Battle, yeah, especially now <laughs> with Trump and Trudeau. For... <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah. Well, go. Uh, Olivia, I uh, really, really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and uh, uh, all the best uh, this year. And I, I hope uh, we get to meet uh, in Dubai at the Super Series. Uh, uh, so do I. <laughs> yeah. Well, take care and thanks again. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, thank you again, Olivia. That was a great chat. And all the best uh, in the 2018-2019 campaign, which is upcoming. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners as well for listening. Uh, We've got some great podcasts upcoming, uh, including uh, the new Squash Canada president, uh, Steve Wren, who is fresh off of... uh, Decent showing at the the World Masters, which uh, just finished up. So we're hoping to have Steve on uh, in the very near future. And some other great uh, podcasts in the lead up to the uh, PSA Pro Tour 2018-2019 season. Uh, One of which is, and I don't want to jinx it so I won't reveal the name, but a a top five player uh, who's supposed to be coming on in the very near future. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, everyone, I hope you enjoy your squash. Uh, We've all got uh, squash season coming up, so uh, I guess we're going to be getting back on uh, court in uh, maybe another few weeks or so to, to get ready for the season. So good luck with that. And again, thanks for listening. Goodbye now.